0: Just a little over uh, 12 years ago, uh, Rochelle and I had spent a fun vacation time up here in Spokane with some real dear friends of ours. And it was as we were driving down in the car back down to California that uh, that we realized that independently of one another, we had both come to the same conclusion. And we had both come to the conclusion and discerned that God was calling us as a family to uh, leave where we were stationed down in Southern California and had been forever and to uh, stop what we were doing sell the house pack up and move up to Spokane because the next season of life and ministry was to take place up here and like we didn't have a job we didn't have a church we didn't really have anything except the friends that we had visited Um, but we we came to the conclusion that that was the call and and so we did that and I will tell you trusting God out at the limits of what was possible. This was kind of stepping into the unknown a little bit, and it was very exciting and empowering and and, and enlivening. And it was terrifying. And it required a ton of, of my wife, Rochelle, and of our kids, and of my family, and everyone. It was like, it was very hard and uncertain, and and uh, it was real so hard, in fact, that once we got here, and I saw the toll that it took on, on us, I said to myself, I am Which, of course, brings us to today. Uh, We have a sense of God's call. And it is a call that's down closer to family and some parents who are down further south. That's the part of it that we do know. And the part of it that we don't know is uh, kind of what church, what ministry, what location, what specific area. There are way more question marks than answers. And I'll be honest, we were expecting to know a lot more at this point than we do now where we seem to be before which is we know what the next to serve those in need in our community to take practical steps to address suffering that we see in front of us and injustice it has been a privilege to be a part of this church and by church you understand I mean not a building or not an organization but a network of relationships with individual people that have become our our family and our friends that way What what a treasure it has been for us to be here over the course of those nearly 12 years I've had the privilege to work side by side, shoulder to shoulder with a leadership team that is unparalleled from elders who lead us spiritually to council members who uh, who kind of oversee some of the financial matters to volunteer leaders in the various and different ministry areas. I've had the chance to work with you and to see your devotion and to see the way that God uses you and empowers you. And I am so grateful. Specifically, I, I really do want to church when Rochelle and I arrived uh, had a middle schooler and an elementary schooler and now as we get ready to go they're both married and heading off into their professional lives they've all done grown up right here where they were nurtured and cared for and loved and discipled by an incredibly excellent staff it's been my privilege to serve alongside we have made in the course of our season here friends that have changed our lives and our of what's possible where friendship is concerned. People whose love and care and devotion make it really painful to leave, but whose presence has been such a blessing along the way. And that's what a church is supposed to be, right? Not just a weekly meeting or or a building or a group, but it's supposed to be a a way, in addition to connecting with God, supporting that through a connection in relationships with others that go deeper than just the surface level, because of who we are. and We've had the chance to benefit from that along the way. We're grateful for that. And then there's our lead pastor, Mike. And I'm kind of out of words. Okay. I don't know who said the over-under for when I'd start breaking down, but you should have bet the under. Mike, it's been... talk to them so I don't have to look at you and break down but we have a pastor whose faith is genuine and deep, whose knowledge and insight and wisdom is profound whose leadership gifting is off the charts and then he pairs with that a genuine authentic humility that is virtually unknown in someone as gifted and called as he is he's the real deal and he has been my partner Invested in me professionally, but more importantly, personally. I'm deeply grateful for you. So I didn't come here to preach my life story. But the place where Rochelle and I are, we find is a place that's roughly it's it's an echo of a place that the children of Israel find found themselves. Back where the book of Joshua began. We're familiar with the story of the Israelites being uh, slaves in Egypt and Moses goes down and gets them and he delivers them from the pharaohs there and they head out, they go through the Red Sea and they almost get to the promised land but they mess some things up and then for 40 years they hang out in the desert and they're right back to that spot where they're about ready to go in again. They're on the precipice of that great next step that God has for them. But they don't really know yet exactly what that's going to look like, exactly what it's going to cost them, or exactly how they're going to get there. We have much we can learn as we see what God says to that nation and those people in those moments. Here's, here's their sense of being on the precipice. After the This is Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them to the Israelites. Get ready. They're going to step into the unknown. When they step into that unknown, they're already aware there's going to be resistance. There are people there who don't want to give up their land. You're going to face that. There's going to be fear. You're on the precipice of that next moment and that next thing and that next step that God's calling you to take. Get ready. That's true for Rochelle and me. Right? This afternoon we'll pack our car. Tomorrow morning we'll crawl into it and drive away south into what is, for the most part, uncharted territory for us in terms of where we're actually going to end up landing we had a place to stay along the way we'll be, well, we're be. we going to be figuring this out with family but uh, we don't know where the trail ends that way there's this unknown but you know what it's not just the Israelites and it's certainly not just ours ours is a dramatic and up on the platform kind of story but each one of us we have that sense of that thing that, that place where we're at the precipice and we know that God's getting ready to call us into that next thing that next step to take that next season of life, or that next season of ministry? And maybe you can take even a moment while I'm talking to reflect on that. What's that nagging thing in the back of your mind that you've been thinking about and maybe fearing that God's actually calling you to step into? What's that next step of obedience? Maybe it's a next step in a life journey. Maybe it's stepping into a new career. Maybe it's stepping out of an existing career. been following jesus and you hear people talk about a lot about being connected with others and doing life together with others and getting into a life group and connecting with people but you have just felt like that was just a bridge too far i'm not ready for that kind of openness for that kind of relationship for that kind of vulnerability that's that's just too unknown there's too much i can't do it and maybe this is maybe that's your next step into the unknown is what might that look like alternatively maybe you're in a great life group you've been comfortable there you've got friendships that deep, you enjoy growing in faith with people and serving with people, there's a high level of connection, these are the people you're doing life with, and you're beginning to perceive that as great as that is, God's now calling you into a season maybe of stepping out of that comfort, maybe even leading a new group, so that you can help a whole new crop of people experience that kind of connection and growth and faith and depth in a way that they might not. Somebody doesn't step up and lead. And you. you're going, but I can't leave my people. And I don't know what that's going to look like. Man, you are on the precipice of something big. You're on the precipice of something important. Maybe most important, the precipice for you is just that line of faith. I'm not sure. I haven't, I haven't crossed the line and stepped into a life of following Jesus. But I know he's calling me to it. I feel like maybe even eventually I'm going to get there. Now's your moment. You're at the precipice. What does it look like on the other side of that line? I'm not even necessarily sure. But I feel called to it. We stand at the precipice. Of the great unknown. Together. And it's at that, pre- at that precipice. That we encounter the promises of God. Hear what it is. It, it carries on right in the next verse. In Joshua. This is again God speaking to Joshua. I will give you every place. Where you set your foot. As I promised Moses. Your territory will expand from the desert. To Lebanon. And from the great river. The Euphrates. All the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the West, no one will will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. See, right there at the precipice of the unknown, God gives Joshua a promise of the place. I've got a place for you. You don't see it. You can't define it right now. You're not sure how it's going to get there, but I am promising you on the strength of who I am that I have a place ready and waiting for you. You won't see it until you take the step into it but I'm there and I'm waiting and I'm ready that, that step for you, that next thing, that place where you're st- uh, hanging out over the precipice, let me just assure you from the truth of God's word that God's got a place for you He's going to meet you there and He's not just going to meet you there because it's not just a promise about a place there's also a promise of God's presence there as well As we read on, uh, God says to Joshua, As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Not only do I have that place dialed in for you, not only is it ready and waiting, not only will you step into the precipice of the unknown and find that I'm prepared for you, Of the Egyptians and made sure that he wasn't massacred with the other kids. He was protected. God provided for him, enabled him to grow up in the house of the Pharaohs, being educated and and provided for. God specifically called Moses and said, I've got a task for you to represent me to to my people and to call them out of slavery and into deliverance. He didn't just call him, he equipped him and he empowered him. And by by God's power, directed Moses, told Moses how he ought to live his life gave him the stone tablets, the ten commandments which were not just for Moses but for all of us right, he directed him on how to live, he corrected Moses when Moses got headed in the wrong direction he was with him that way and he blessed him at every turn and God's word is that that as you step into the precipice of the unknown I've got a place for you there and I will never leave you I will never forsake you I will be with you in all of those same ways as I was with Moses. You know, a lot of, a lot of the significant mentors in our life are with us for a season, right? The basketball coach who says, great job, you've learned the game well, and as you and as you step up to the next level of competition, good luck with all that. Right? Or the educator who invested in, and got to know us personally and and helped us to learn and to grow and and then we graduate and they say congratulations on your diploma and now as you step out into the real world and go on into business or career or whatever good luck with all that. And part of what this passage is telling us is that the God whom Joshua serves the God who the Israelites followed and the God that you and I follow today is a God who Speaks into our lives, develops us, helps us to grow, causes Christ-like character to grow in us, but then he doesn't send us off into what's next, but he says, I'm with you. Wherever you go from here, I'm going with you. you. You couldn't get away from me if you tried. If you're a follower of Jesus today, you have a sense of the presence of God in a way that, honestly, Moses and Joshua could never have dreamed of. Says that when we follow Jesus, Moses and Joshua, they lived before Jesus, right? He hadn't been around yet. He was coming, hadn't arrived yet. After Jesus, Scripture tells us that if we we if we follow in God's way, if we follow Jesus, it describes what happens as the Holy Spirit of God taking up residence within us, dwelling within us on a daily basis, in a way that those old Testament saints could step into the precipice of the unknown at God's back and at God's call. I'm going to tell you that he will not leave you and he will not forsake you. So at the precipice there's a promise, right? It's a promise that God has a place for us. It's a promise of his presence with us there. But then he goes on also at that same point of the things that you should do to make this work out well as you step into the great unknown. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your list on it day in- If you've been around any amount of time at all we all hit those points where when we're honest we go the external physical strength I have it's not enough like me versus my obstacle it's stronger if you've never been to that point strap in you'll get there I promise but it's when we get there that there's a different kind of strength That can happen. A different kind of strength that we have to access. It's that kind of internal strength that says, regardless of what happens externally, I may be outmatched, I may be outnumbered, I may be outmaneuvered, but I will not give up. That's the strength that this passage is talking about. The passage that says that even when by rights I'm probably going to be defeated, I will not give up few weeks ago, we got to go uh, down to California. my daughter got married. What a wonderful time. And you know, we just thought at a time when you're changing careers and selling a house and packing it up and moving elsewhere and everything else, you may as well throw in a wedding just to kind of complete the cycle. And we were down there. We had a beautiful rehearsal dinner. Everyone was there. It was great. went to sleep that night, excited about the wedding to follow the next day woke up to a phone call at about 2.15, 2.30 in the morning uh, from one of the bridesmaids saying, uh, we think, Kendra, your daughter, has food poisoning because she's been throwing up constantly for the last hour or so. And if it gets worse, we're taking her to uh, the emergency room. So there's that. (laughs) And so we had the privilege in the hours before our daughter's wedding to go to the emergency room and to sit with her while they pumped fluids into her and all kinds of anti-nausea medication into her and, and uh, try to encourage her as she just laid there like a sloth on the table being miserable and then take her back to the hotel sometime around at 6.30 not because she was feeling better but kind of because there was nothing left they could do to make her feel better. In terms of physical strength, I will tell you that my daughter's reserves were at zero or below. But that girl, in those hours between then and the wedding, got in touch with something on the inside. She didn't feel good, she felt miserable, but there was that thing she connected with on the inside that says, I don't care what happens, I am getting married today. And it's that kind of internal strength that says I'm going to keep going and I'm not going to give up. And I'm, in, in spite of the fear that I may um, create some memorable video, I'm going to keep going. And we had a great day. So that's that's her with me, which I think is a triumphant moment. And then the next one is her with the groom, which she thinks to think is a triumphant moment. So I'm, I'm dealing with that. But she, that girl inspired me with the kind of strength to keep going because that was the only option available, right? Be strong. As you step in across the into the precipice of what's next and unknown, be strong. Don't give that is what that passage is saying. And then it says to be courageous in addition to strength. And, and courage has to do um, not with the absence of fear, but with the conquering of fear, right? Like if something doesn't make you afraid, you're not being courageous in doing it. When I go back for seconds, that's not courage. God calls on you to do something that is inherently fearful and you know it's the right thing to do and you do it anyway. That's where the courage comes. The courage is from, is from overcoming the fear, not, uh, not imagining that it's not there. I ran across this definition of courage uh, a little bit ago and I absolutely love it. And it says the courage is knowing that what you're about to do is dangerous and may very likely hurt you and then doing it anyway. Like I'm kind of inspired by that. By looking fear in the eye and pain in the eye and going I'm going to do it anyway. But then this definition went on with this. It said stupidity is the exact same thing. (laughs) And that's why life is hard. (laughs) And isn't that the truth? Like I feel like There are moments where it's like, I'm about to step into the precipice of the unknown because I'm pretty sure that God's calling me to do that, right? And I want to be strong and not quit, and I want to be courageous, but I might just be stupid. (laughs) That's a tough one. How do you know when you're being courageous and when you're being stupid? Like, one, ask your spouse. They're very good about that. But there's more than that. When we look at the prescription that God gave Joshua in this moment, he included these verses. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Don't turn to the right or to the left from it that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. And then you will be prosperous and successful. How do you discern the difference between courage on the one hand or stupidity on the other? They might look the same on the face of it. The answer for the Christian is to become a person so familiar with Scripture, so immersed in the words of God, so defined by what the Bible says, um, with a mind shaped by the principles and truths of Scripture, that they become your primary filter. And in those moments of hearing God and sensing God's guiding into something that might otherwise be stupid, there's a familiarity to his voice and to his leading and to his guiding and to his direction that you cannot deny. We will never ever be able to rightly discern for ourselves the, the, the distinction between stupid and courageous without becoming people of God's word and committing in our heart not to stray to the right or to the left from it. That is the place of strength and wisdom and of discernment. And so in the moments that I have left, I want to give you three specific challenges in view of all of this. As you consider personally, what's next for you? You're on the precipice of what? And what does that unknown next step look like for you personally and for us as a church as we move forward into a next season as well? What does that look like? I want to give... Three challenges to each and every one of us here and ask you to take them up with great intentionality. The first one is this, is to affirm that Jesus is Lord by doing that thing he's asking you to do. See, it's one thing to say the words, Jesus is Lord. But where the rubber meets the road is that when our Lord says, I would like you to do this, how do we respond? What is that next step for you? It might be dramatic. might be hard. It might be choosing to stop living with my boyfriend or my girlfriend because I believe my Lord is asking me not to. It's hard. It might be forgiving that family member who's really hurt you. That might even be harder sometimes, right? What is that? What is that thing that you're not even sure that you can drum up the strength or the courage to do? Would you affirm the lordship of Jesus Christ, his role in your life, by committing to do that thing. Secondly, I want to challenge us to become with great intentionality not what we're talking about. We're talking about maybe people that we already have relationship with and we just know. they. We want them to come to know the Jesus that we've come to know and love and serve, right? I challenge you. Today, go home. Set a, set a mark six months from now on the calendar and set a goal that at some point in these six months, you're going to find the way to step into a conversation with someone that you already know. And it may be as simple as saying, hey, you know, I've never really talked to you about this part of my life, Let's go grab a cup of coffee and do that. It may show up as taking the opportunity when someone's talking about what's going on in their life or their home or their family and say, wow, that's a lot going on. Times like that, I just, I find that I need to turn to prayer. Can I be praying for you? And maybe even can I pray for you right now? I don't know exactly what that looks like. But I I would like us as a church to be wholeheartedly disappointed if six months from now, we haven't all found at least one opportunity to do that. I challenge you to accept that. I challenge you to step into that. And that as you commit to doing that next thing God's called you to do and build a foundation of God's word all around that and understand that your calling and purpose is about sharing that with others, you'll actually be, we will actually together be doing what's most important for this church in this season. Standing on the precipice of something that's unknown Stepping into it with courage with strength and following God into an unknown that he promises uh, he's meet, he'll meet us there and never forsake us. So with that in mind I would like to pray a blessing over this church as I close. God thank you for this church. Not just the structure or the organization but the people. God in pray that there would be an anointing of your love and grace upon them. God, I pray that there would be such a passion about seeing other people come.
1: There they are, Mr. and Mrs. Kilpatrick. She's the secret sauce. We love you. I don't know what to say. This is unfair that we have to like shed tears publicly in front of everybody, but this this friend of mine who uh, 12 years ago moved help us as a church to help me personally shoulder the load of the ministry which can be quite heavy at times and uh, you have um, you've been that secret you know for me And uh, so thank you for that Scott Um, the wisdom and the grace and the good pastoring that he brings to this church and to our staff and the countless meetings that we've been in where I didn't know what to do and and being able. Share that uh, with Scott and get wisdom from him. He really lives what he preached today, and I and I want to accept that challenge. And I, I hope that every one of us will accept that challenge to say yes to God in the next step that we have, to um, to build our lives on a biblical foundation, and then to boldly share our story. Just grieve. Grieving is part of letting go of great people and, uh, and, and saying, Lord, you have a bigger plan. But in addition to that, you know, you've made a deposit in our lives and we want to walk that out and not just bemoan the fact that you're not here because that's going to happen. But, but. pray for these guys. Extend your hand, would you, as we just bless them. Lord Jesus, Lord, with just the faith that we have and the love that we have for these guys from this church family, Lord, we bless them. Lord, we see and recognize the Holy Spirit has set them apart and has called them back to where they came from, Lord. We pray in the name of Jesus that you go before them. We know that you will, that you're with them always. And we ask that you open up the right doors, that you would gift them as you gifted them to us, Lord. Gift them to another local church in a way that their contribution and their, their, uh, just their love and the faithfulness to Scripture, God, would, would be seeds sown in another land, in another place, in another church. God, we thank you for the way that they are kingdom builders. Lord, they have put the kingdom of God first. So we're asking, God, that you add all blessing to their life, Lord, as they have.